Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Uh, so this will be uh, a, a uh, just a continuation of studying this passage, and you may have learned some things that from your Sunday school teacher that I won't say today, and but I hope that it'll just reinforce our time in the Word of God. Um, you know, probably the most misunderstood and misconstrued characters in what we traditionally know as the nativity are the wise men. And uh, if you have your note sheet there, uh, I have a little true-false uncertain quiz for you. And, and so uh, if you don't have a pen, that's okay. But let's run through that real quick a moment. And I'm not going to give you the answer right now. But the first one is the, the total number of wise men was three. Is that true, false, or uncertain? You don't need to answer out loud yet, all right? Secondly, the wise men were kings. After all, the song says, we three kings, right, of Orient are. And thirdly, the wise men were from the Orient. Number four, the wise men's names were Belthazar, Melchor, and Caspar. Number five, the wise men came to the stable to worship the infant Jesus. Are these true, false, or uncertain? Number six, the wise men rode camels from their home country. Number seven, the star which appeared to the wise men was Halley's Comet. True, false, or uncertain? Number eight, the wise men presented gifts to Jesus of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, well you know, all of our quest, ant questions uh, can be answered with the Word of God. Amen. So let's open up with our Bibles there. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 12. If you're able, please, I would invite you to stand with me as we read the Word of God together. Matthew 2, beginning with verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined whom, from, from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. 
And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a, warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. And from this familiar passage, I'll bring a message entitled today, The King Has Come. How do I respond to him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of worship. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for the joy that has come to our hearts and lives because you have come. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that the wise men were right in seeking you as the king because you are the king of kings and Lord of lords. And we thank you that the news of your arrival is just as exciting and just as a reason to rejoice uh, and even greater today because we know the rest of the story. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died, that you rose again, that you're the risen, living King of kings and Lord of lords. And we thank you for every person today who has repented of sin and trusted in Christ and surrendered to you as Lord, that you are the Lord of their lives, but you are the Lord of all. And we want to express that message with great joy to others because of, because of who you are. And we thank you that you're the one that Isaiah prophesied concerning. And we thank you that you're the one that John and the, the Revelation wrote about, that one day uh, that we're all going to fall before you and, and we're going to acknowledge you as Lord. And we pray today that you'll be glorified in the rest of our time here together. We love you, we exalt you, and we praise you. And pray, God, you'll speak to hearts of those who have not yet responded to Christ and draw them unto yourself today. We love you and exalt you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Well, uh, let's just uh, review that little true-false quiz. Uh, first of all, the, uh, the Bible doesn't say how many wise men there were, does it? Uh, it says that they presented gifts, three gifts, gold, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but it doesn't say there were three. Uh, in fact, um, there could have been many. Uh, after all, the whole city was, uh, Herod and the whole city were troubled, so a good likelihood there were, there were more than that. So that's perhaps uncertain. Number two, uh, the wise men were kings. Well, again, the Bible doesn't say they were kings, does it? It says they were wise men, or magi is another word there for, for that word. So it doesn't say that. So I'd probably say that would be false. Uh, again, three, the wise men were from the Orient. Again, it doesn't say they were from the Orient. So they saw a star in the east. But tradition, is, uh, many believe that they were from, uh, from, the, uh, from Persia or ancient Babylon or uh, because, uh, because of their influence. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But uh, not doesn't say they're from the, uh, from the Orient. So I'd say uh, uncertain on that one anyway. Uh, four, the, uh, their names were Belthasar, Melkor, and Casper. Well, again, it doesn't say what their names are, even though there are some legends that say that. Number five, uh, they came to the stable to worship. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says they came to the house where the young child was. And, uh, and the, the child there doesn't, is not the word for infant, uh, nor uh, does it, and the word house is not for a stable or not for the place where animals were kept. So uh, again, uh, if you have your a nativity set with a wise man, just put them a little further away, okay, from the, uh, from the nativity. So they're traveling on their way. And uh, uh, again, they rode camels. Uh, well, uh, it doesn't say that, uh, so uncertain on that one. They had to get there somehow, but not say. 
And uh, again, the, uh, the star which appeared uh, was Halley's Comet. That's one uh, theory. Uh, Bible doesn't say that either. So uncertain, but uh, it was a supernatural uh, message from God, wasn't it? And many believe, uh, like the Old Testament, uh, the uh, Shekinah glory, it was God's, God's demonstration of his power and, his, and the supernatural glory of God uh, de- being demonstrated to these men. And... Uh, and of course, the final one is true that the wise men presented gifts, gold, frankincense, and, uh, and myrrh. I, I, I think that the wise men are some of the most interesting uh, people, uh, certainly in this story, but even in, in the Bible, uh, and uh, really uh, love the wise men. And, you know, the shepherds, we, we've talked about shepherds in the past. Shepherds are a wonderful uh, story, a wonderful message of the fact that the gospel uh, is uh, is for everyone. They were the first to hear the gospel of the of the coming of Jesus and the announcement of Jesus' arrival of the King, and they were the first to go and tell the message of of his uh, arrival as well. And that says a lot about the fact that the gospel is for everyone. Again, the poor, the downtrodden, no one. The gospel is not for. And then, of course, uh, the uh, the coming of the wise men and in this great distant land, with, uh, seven, if they were from Persia, seven hundred miles or more away. That's speaks greatly of how the gospel message, again, is for the world. And, and what we're doing right now is we talk about missions right now and, and, and the fact that the gospel is to go to the end of the earth. Well, that's what I believe this, uh, their coming is all about. And God uh, w- invited them to come and to celebrate, if you will, the arrival of his precious son, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And again, that, that we're to take the gospel to those who are far away, both spiritually as well as geographically. And they came. Why did they come? The Bible makes it very clear. They came to worship Jesus. And, and you know, that's again what we're all about. And that's what ought to distinguish our celebration of Christ and of Christmas to all the rest of the world is our worship. What a great privilege we have uh, to worship. And, and really, we, uh, we come because he draws us. We come because he change our, changes our hearts, and he makes us, makes us worshipers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, the, and I believe we learn much from the wise men about the way they responded to the coming of the King. Remember, we, we talked about the Advent uh, that that's what the Advent is all about, is the celebration of the coming of Jesus, the coming of the King, uh, his first Advent. And now we're anticipating his second Advent, his second coming as believers in Christ. And praise God, it, it could be today. And uh, so notice, if you will, the way the wise men show us the right way to respond to King Jesus who has come. First of all, how do we respond? Well, respond to him by following the light that God gives you. Respond to him by following the light that God gives you. Well, the wise men we find here in chapter 2 came to Jerusalem again because they they, uh, knew that the one born king of the Jews had, had been born. And uh, God, they believed God. They took God at his word. And, and God revealed that to them uh, in, in a couple of ways at least. But, uh, but um, imagine coming there and, and looking for, because at this point, obviously, the, uh, the, the star was, was not visible to them. So they came to the uh, most logical place, the capital city, the city of Jerusalem. And, uh, and they, would, they expected probably everyone to be celebrating and to know about the coming of Jesus, the coming of the King. So they must have been surprised when they got there and, and, and found that, that 
people didn't really know about his, uh, his coming. That, thankfully, that did not seem to distract them or hinder them, but, but it still must have been a surprising to them. Uh, and again, the, the worst, that they came to worship the Lord Jesus, but they came because God had drawn them. And again, that's a reminder to us that, that, that the Word of God teaches us that, that we must hear the gospel message uh, in order to be saved. The Spirit of God uses the, the Word of God and the gospel to draw us to Christ. And, and we come to Him by invitation. And if you're here today and you've heard the gospel, you should be praising God. Drew and Katie and their wonderful uh, uh, message to us in the opening video there, just share with us about the, the millions and millions of people, billions of people who yet to hear the gospel. So you should be rejoicing today that you've heard the gospel and that God has given you an opportunity to respond to the message of Christ. Not everyone has heard, but God took the initiative to invite them to come and worship. He did that through revealing them that by, by, the, by this light that God gave them. What was this light that God gave them? Well, it was a, he used the word of God. And, and God, again, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And many believe that the Magi were here because of Daniel's witness. Daniel, if you recall, in studying the, the book of Daniel, uh, was uh, brought from uh, Israel uh, to Babylon as, as a young man, along with many others. And, uh, and he too became a part of the wise men, if you will. And many believe that Daniel's uh, witness to them uh, was, a, was a tool and, and, and these men are coming to understand who Jesus was. Although we don't know that for certain, but that, that, that seems like a, a great a, a reason to believe that, that God had used Daniel. And again, perhaps one of the scriptures that, that had been used was, uh, was Numbers 24, 17. And, and he says, I, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. And so this seems to even be a prophecy concerning this, this star that would come and that did come. And uh, so, so the Word of God is the witness. And that is what God uses today in the hearts and lives of people. He uses the Word of God. But God also uses a witness. And again, here I believe uh, very possible with this understanding, Daniel was a witness. Uh, but also this star uh, was a witness. They said, we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. God used this supernatural manifestation, if you will, uh, to, uh, to, to bring them as a witness to see their need for Jesus and for uh, to come to worship him and come, I believe, to know him. And God still uses, uh, he still uses his supernatural work. He uses creation. Scripture's very clear about that, about how God uh, uses the witness of creation to everyone uh, across the globe. Uh, that in itself is not the gospel, but God uses creation to be a tool to cause people to think about uh, his presence and his power and to see the manifestation of his power. And so God uses that, that witness, if you will, of, of creation, even as he did in this situation. And again, many believe that this star uh, was, uh, was the Shekinah, a uh, Shekinah glory, that, uh, similar to that which guided the children of Israel. It was a visible manifestation uh, of God's presence and God's glory. Isaiah 9-2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those 
those who dwelt in a land of deep, deep darkness, on them has light shone. And so this was a light, if you will. This was a witness uh, to these, uh, these pagans, if you will, who, who were part of a pagan belief and religion, at least at one point in their life. But again, we find as we read on in this passage, God used the, the, the witness uh, of his creation God, and he used of this supernatural manifestation. But he again used his word because when they came to the city to find out uh, where uh, this one was to be born, and again, I believe that was God's sovereign way of bringing them in and in a, in a sense letting uh, the uh, people of Jerusalem know about the coming of the Messiah, maybe a little more subtle announcement. The shepherds had already gone out and told some people, obviously, uh, because many, we read about them in Luke that they, uh, when they heard this, they, they marveled at what they said, no indication uh, of anyone going out to see, but, but they still uh, had, God had given the opportunity to hear about that. And again, bringing the wise men in. And once again, they're able to, to hear uh, about the coming, but, uh, but uh, they went and asked, where is he? And Herod didn't know, obviously. He was not a, he, not a believer and a follower of Jehovah, uh, God. But, uh, but he asked the, the religious leaders, as we read in this passage, the scribes. He brought the priests and the scribes together. And did they know where the Messiah was to be born? Yeah, they knew. They said, oh, yeah. And they quoted Micah 5, too, misquoted a little bit. But uh, they nonetheless knew where he was to, uh, to be born, immediately uh, told them that. And so again, Scripture pointed the wise men to Jesus, just like, again, the Word of God, Scripture points us to Jesus. Uh, as we said, if we said last Sunday, it's all about him anyway, right? And so again, it was the Scripture that God used, because again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And uh, so uh, the wise men were led to Jesus, the promised one. And again, in this passage, I believe we see the sovereignty of God, God sovereignly at work to uh, draw people unto himself. But we also see the responsibility of people to respond to that light. And we too, as uh, we too have that responsibility uh, to, to respond to the light that God gives to us. You're going to, you see a number of different responses in this passage, and we'll talk more about that as we, as we conclude this morning. But you know, the, again, I remind you, Scripture says that we don't seek God. Romans 3.11 says, no one understands, no one seeks for God. We don't just get up one day and say, you know, I think I'm going to become a Christian. I think I'm going to give my life to Jesus. We don't, we don't seek God apart from God's intervention in our lives. And that is why it is so vital that we hear the Word of God, that we proclaim the Word of God, proclaim the gospel, that we be that witness that God has given to us. And it's so important that we respond to the light that God has given. So I ask you this morning, have you responded to the light that God has given to you? Again, what a great privilege to be in a place uh, where someone is able to share the gospel. We are blessed in the city we live in to have many uh, gospel preaching, gospel believing churches that proclaim the gospel. Imagine living in a place where there's no one around you uh, that seemingly knows the gospel. And there are many people in our land. That is why it is so vitally important that we take the gospel to the ends of the earth. But have you responded? Have you responded to the gospel of the Lord Jesus? Have you responded to the light that God has given to you? I urge you to do that today. Second, respond to him by rejoicing over 
his light. This is one of the most uh, wonderful things about these wise men. Notice down, uh, down in verse 9, it says, When they heard the king, uh, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. This text is full of superlatives, if you will, to describe the ecstasy, the joy, the excitement of these wise men. Uh, the Holy Spirit is using our language to help us understand that, but it, it's almost like it's beyond uh, language to be able to describe how wonderful their excitement was. These guys uh, knew that this supernatural uh, star pointed them uh, to the Savior of the world. These guys, remember, uh, you know, we don't exactly know how they dressed, but they no doubt were uh, aristocratic. They were educated. These men were like scientists. They, were prob they probably were wealthy uh, based on the gifts that were given. So, uh, but they didn't allow any of those things to be hindrances and to hinder them from, uh, from rejoicing. They, they, can you imagine the excitement? I was, I was listening to, a, uh, watching a little, little song, a video last night uh, on uh, YouTube and a song that, that the uh, men are going to sing tonight in the Christmas by the fire. And one of them uh, was a picture of the, the wise men rejoicing. And I mean, they were jumping up in the air. I mean, they were excited. They were thrilled. They were rejoicing. They really didn't care how foolish they looked. Is your worship like that? Do you respond that way? You know, just imagine, I mean, nobody uh, gets more excited uh, probably the, than, uh, than a football fan or a sports fan over their sports. I mean, they get so excited and, and they don't seem to really care how foolish they look. They don't really seem to care. You know, and I'm not here, I'm not here to criticize people for getting excited over things, but, but I want to ask you this question. What do you celebrate? What gets you excited? What makes you rejoice? I mean, when you think about, is it, uh, you know, you deer hunters, is it, is it really bagging that big one? I mean, getting that big deer this year, is that what really gets you excited? I mean, is it, is it something you're looking for, young people, for Christmas, and, and you, you're going to be excited if you get what you wanted? Is that really what excites you and causes you to, to rejoice? Maybe those new clothes or whatever it might be. Uh, is that excite you? Well, I'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy those things, but how does that compare to your excitement and to your joy over Jesus. Think about that. How does that compare? There is no comparison, isn't it? Because you know as well as I do that the excitement of whatever that is in a few weeks, you know, maybe a few weeks you'll still be excited about it, but what about a few months or a few years? Nah. You know, if it's something new, it won't be new anymore. But Jesus is always exciting, amen? The joy, the, the reason to rejoice over Jesus is forever. In fact, the more you get to know Jesus and the more you realize how precious and how wonderful Jesus is and how, if you're a child of God, how he has saved you by your grace because the more you come to know him, the more hell-deserving you realize you not only were, but you still are then that causes you greater reason to rejoice. So your joy increases. So what do you rejoice about today? What brings joy 
to your life. Do you get excited about hearing of someone coming to Jesus? Does that bring joy to your life? Of a life being changed, a home being restored, God doing a mighty work in the lives of people, that's what should bring joy. The shepherds rejoiced as well, Luke 2.20 says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Number three, how do you respond to the coming of the king, King Jesus? Respond to him by coming to him in humility. By coming to him in humility. Again, as you see these guys there, notice the first part of 11. They, uh, they came now, the star led them. The Bible says, verse 11, when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother. And when they had opened their treasures to him, they presented to him uh, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They fell down and worshiped him. Again, just like they didn't allow their, uh, their, uh, their aristocratic nature to hinder them from, uh, from being excited and rejoicing, neither did they allow any of those things, their education or any of those things, to hinder them from worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. The word worship, in fact, has the idea of falling down, prostrating oneself, kissing the feet of the one being worshiped. They didn't worship the star. They didn't worship Mary. They didn't worship Joseph. They worshiped King Jesus. And you know, for, if you had been there that day, like those guys, uh, it probably wouldn't have all added up. It really didn't make sense. It wasn't very logical. I mean, after all, they, might have, they could have said, well, you know, maybe we got it wrong. They, they didn't even know about it back there. Uh, back in town, the king didn't know. The religious people didn't know. You know. And then when they got there, was it a big fine palace? Absolutely not. It was, the, the, these parents were, by the standards of that day and ours, certainly were peasants. I mean, the home would have been very, very simple, the home of a very poor family. None of the things made sense. It didn't, it wasn't logical. But none of that hindered them because God had revealed truth to them and they responded to the light that God had given. And so they humbled themselves and fell down and worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, I want to challenge you. Again, what ought to distinguish your celebration, if you're a child of God today, your celebration in Christmas of Christ is the way you worship. Are you worshiping? That ought to be what you seek to do. And by the way, uh, spiritual leaders in your homes, fathers, and if there is no dad in the home, moms, uh, what, what you ought to do in, in your family, and more than anything, is, is lead in worship in your home. You see, worship is not just something we do corporately. It is, but it's something we also do in our families. It's something we do individually. Worship ought to be a part of our lives. And I challenge you today, make worship a part of your celebration of Christ. And again, they, they worshiped him, uh, humbled themselves and came into the presence of the Lord Jesus that day. I ask you today, do you humble yourself and worship him? Are you willing again to look foolish uh, and, and even to others because of your worship? When's the last time you fell on your face? 
before the Lord Jesus to worship him. And I want to say to you, whether you're lost today without Jesus, you don't know Jesus, you've never surrendered to him, or whether you do know Jesus, the Bible says that one day you will fall before him. You will recognize him. The Bible says that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, dear friend, don't wait until that day because you will then, he'll be your Lord and your judge. But today he can be your Lord and Savior if you turn from sin and trust in Christ and surrender to him as your Lord and your Savior. And so again, I challenge you to come to him in humility. The Bible uh, tells us about a scene over in Revelation as Jesus is worshiped as the Lamb. Revelation 5.14, the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down in worship. What are we going to do in heaven? Well, I know one thing. We're going to be worshiping King Jesus for all eternity. Amen. Number four, how do, we, how do I respond to King Jesus? Well, respond to him by worshiping him with gifts. With gifts. Notice again, they brought these gifts to the Lord Jesus. Gold, which some say could, could represent his sovereignty because he is king. They worshiped him as king of kings and lord of lords, and he is lord. Have you acknowledged him as lord of your life. He is Lord. He is King. Have you acknowledged him as thus? Frankincense, again, could represent his sinlessness. This was used, again, on, on sprinkling on sacrifices, which, had, uh, which the Bible says in the Old Testament had to be without blemish and without spot. Again, pointing to uh, the Lord Jesus and his, his sinlessness. Myrrh, on the other hand, could represent his being Savior. Because again, this was, many believe, a peculiar gift to present to a baby, to a newborn king. Because what was it used for? To embalm the dead. It pointed to that time when the Lord Jesus, again, uh, and the purpose for which he came. He came. He was born, yes, as king, but he was born as Savior and Lord to die for our sin. And one day on that cross, the Bible says he would bear our sins in his body on the tree. That we being dead to, to sin would, would be alive to, to righteousness. That, that, that Second Corinthians says that he became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of of God. And so in that sense of the word, uh, they were worshiping him for the his Savior and what he would do for us in his sacrificial uh, substitutionary death for us on the cross. He gave his all for us. He is God. But then you may say, well, sure, pastor, those guys were wealthy. They could bring him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They were wealthy people. Uh, but I don't, I'm not wealthy. I can't do that. Well, what does the Bible say we should give him? Well, I think the, there's a great example over in 2 Corinthians 8, 5 of the Macedonians, people who were very poor. The Bible says they were, they were, they were just deep down to the, the bottom poor. And yet the Bible says they first gave themselves to God. So the first and most important thing you can give to the Lord Jesus is to give him yourself is to repent of your sin, surrender your life to him, and give him your all, and continue to do that. Romans 12, 1 says we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service of worship. You worship him by totally giving yourself to him in a once-for-all kind of act, but then you continue to do that as you daily surrender to him. 
So give to the Lord your all. And then you give what, what as God has blessed you uh, in, in your love and worship of him. The, the writer in First Chronicles wrote, First uh, Chronicles 16, 28 and 29, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. What a privilege to be able to worship him and even give to the God who has everything. You know, sometimes you have that person, you know, on your list. And you say, what do I give that person? They have everything. Well, who, who, no, one, that, no one has everything like God has everything. He really does have everything. He even owns what I have and owns what you have. He owns it all. And yet God allows us the privilege of giving to him as an act of worship. Number five, how do I respond to the King of kings and Lord of lords in his coming? Respond to him by being transformed by his grace. Again, the Bible says they, they were divinely warmed in a dream uh, that they should not return to Herod. Uh, this man uh, deceived them, but the Spirit of God uh, didn't allow them to be deceived. And uh, so they departed their own country another way. Uh, the greatest possible tragedy for these men would have been for them to come after traveling all these many miles to have adored the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and yet not to have received his gift of salvation. And, and I believe there's enough evidence in this passage to believe that these men uh, left different than they came. Not only did they go another way geographically, but they went another way spiritually. And uh, it would have been very tragic if they had missed Christmas, missed the real reason for Jesus coming. Oh, there, there were those who did, but I believe these men left changed. They did not leave disappointed. They went back a different way, totally transformed. And here, friend, that's why Jesus came. He didn't just come to give us warm, fuzzy feelings. He didn't just give us a reason to uh, get off a day or two every year and uh, get out of school. Uh, he gave us a reason for living. He gave us life. He came to give his life for us on the cross, that he might give uh, his life to us in salvation through repentance and faith and surrender to his lordship, that he might live his life through us. That's the Christian life. That's why he came, to get inside of us and to live in us and through us and make a difference not only in our lives, but the lives of others. He came to transform us. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. These men had, became, if you will, an instrument to point others to Jesus. Uh, Daniel spoke about wise men in Daniel 12, 3. He said, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Wise men not only still seek him, but wise men point others to him. Are you like a star shining brightly to point others to the Lord Jesus Christ so that he can make a difference 
in their lives. You see, we are called in Matthew 5, the light of the world. We don't have any light of our own. We're kind of like the moon, you know. We don't have any real light, but we are luminaries. We are a, a one through whom the light shines. Jesus is the light of the world, and he, he shines in us and through us to point others to the Lord Jesus Christ. And our goal is to, for them to see Jesus in us and to see the transformation that he's made in our lives. They'll, they'll know soon that he's not finished with us yet, right? We're still a work in progress. He's still working on us to make us like Christ, but he is doing just that, making us more and more like him. Dear friend, you can't really celebrate Christmas until you know the Christ of Christmas. You cannot celebrate Christmas until you have responded to Christ. So I ask you today, note, note in this passage of some of the fellows I didn't talk too much about because there's several different responses in this passage and really uh, your response probably falls into one of, of those categories. The first uh, uh, response we see really came from uh, the, the king, Herod. Uh, his, uh, his response, when he heard about Jesus, he was hostile toward him, wasn't he? He rebelled because, you see, he didn't want anyone else being the king but him. He'd been known already, and you probably studied this this morning in Sunday school, to have killed his, his uh, wife and his mother-in-law and, and at least a couple of his sons. I mean, anybody that got in his way, he just he, he put them out. And that's probably one of the reasons many believe that Jerusalem was troubled uh, with him because they knew that uh, if, if anybody uh, was uh, threatened his power, he'd eliminate them. And that's exactly why he eliminated those little babies uh, under two years of age. And so here's a man who was hostile, who rebelled. You may be here today and, and, and you want nothing to do with Jesus. You've, you're here this morning because somebody twisted your arm or told you you had to be here, all right? And you're, or maybe it's your annual Christmas trip. And, uh, but but are, you, are you rebelling against Jesus and saying, no, I'll not have him rule over my life? Then you can identify with Herod today. But I, but I want you to know today, there have been many other rebels who have who've turned from their rebellion. Amen? And we can tell you a whole lot about them in Scripture and a whole lot about them in our own lives. We've seen God turn rebels uh, into those who follow Christ. But is that you today? A second response uh, today in this passage are, are those like the, the Jewish priests and scribes and even really the people uh, who heard about and, and didn't respond who were indifferent to him. Indifferent to him. Uh, and, uh, and even really in doing so, rejected him. You say, well, how do you see that? Well, did you see any of them say, hey, guys, if y'all are going to Bethlehem, how far was Bethlehem from, uh, from Jerusalem? Six miles at the most, four to six miles away. I mean, it's not like it was that long of a trip. I mean, did any of them say, hey, wait, we'll go with you? No indication of it, not at all. And so what were these people? They were indifferent toward Jesus. I'm, I'm speaking to some here in this room right now who are indifferent to Jesus. But you know, the Bible says not to receive him is to reject him. Not to gather with him is to scatter abroad. So if you're indifferent toward Jesus, dear friend, you are still rejecting him. You are still rejecting him. And scripture says you are still condemned and you're still separated. I share that with you in love because I love you and I want to tell you the truth. You're still rejecting him. You're still cut off from him and condemned. Don't be indifferent to Jesus today. That is still rejection. I pray the Spirit of God. 
that you'll not be like these religious people. And by the way, they were religious, and yet they still were indifferent toward the Lord Jesus and rejected him. But then, praise God, there are others like the wise men. They responded to him. They were transformed by him. They sought him, and they worshiped him, and therefore were transformed by him. My prayer is that every one of you will be like these wise men, that you will respond to the light that God has given to you. Well, maybe you say, well, pastor, I'm not like the wise men, but I'd like to be. What should I do? There's a man named William Law back in the 18th century who wrote this answer. He said, when, when, the, when the spark of desire after God arrives in your soul, cherish it with all your care. Give all your heart unto it. Follow it as gladly as the wise men of the east follow the star from heaven uh, that appeared to them. If it will do for you as the star did for them, it will lead you to the birth of Jesus to, to, excuse me, to the birth of Jesus, not in a stable at Bethlehem in Judea, but to the birth of Jesus in your own soul. Respond to the light that God has given you today. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.